The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Tuesday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Damon Barr is in. He's rocking the Ireland sweatshirt, not Kathy Ireland for those of us uh, above 40. But Ireland. So are we playing in Ireland, Damon? Do you know something? Is this a subtle message from your inside sources about the opener for 2021 against Illinois with Brett Bielema, the pig farmer, Nebraska, a pint of Guinness, and some football. I wish. It was honest to God. It was just on top of the laundry basket, the clean laundry, and on it went. I had to do a little laundry earlier. Literally. My wife's like popped up from the couch. What are you doing? I'm just watching, washing uh, some, some clothes. I, I'm probably going to go swim tonight because, you know, my, no, I've been just horrific with the whole, uh, I'm going to get healthier and better in 2021. I've worked out a little bit, but I haven't done, uh, the the diet's already crashed and burned. There's been no diet. There is thousands of pounds of wings eaten on Sunday. It just is what it is. I, there, there's a lot of my buddies that are doing the no beer January. And I'm like, yeah, beer sounds pretty good right now. Uh, they're not dry. <laughs> oh, no. They have not turned into the, well, I'm, I'm participating in the dry January. That lasts three minutes. Bless their heart. So, so no, there's no subtle message from Damon Barr about inside info with Ireland, Nebraska, and Illinois. I just thought I'd ask him. Maybe it was a sign. Numbers to get in, 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. Email chris at hailvarsity.com and find us and follow us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio, Chris Schmidt at Damon Barr. That's two R's for Damon. And we are loaded up. Mitch Sherman's coming with us uh, in about 15 minutes or so, uh, we'll talk some uh, some Nebraska football, some college football. Coach Kaczynski uh, at 5.05 next hour. We'll dive into recruiting. What's truth and rumor uh, on the recruiting trail? Jacob Padilla, some volleyball preview for Nebraska volleyball and some uh, prep basketball. You've got the numbers you can get in. I ask this out loud. How would you funnel money to a recruit? I'm not encouraging. I'm not suggesting. I'm just asking. If you had to get uber creative, how would you funnel money to a recruit? Would you make a donation, nameless, faceless donation to a uh, tax-free entity? 
I mean, the long rumor, again, rumor, 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 was that you want Cam Newton, it's going to cost you a quarter of a million dollars. And there's a church Cam and his daddy go to. I think his dad was a reverend, actually. And that's where you can drop off your offering. Cool. There was the grocery bag full of money that that gets hand-delivered as you're walking to your signing day press conference dressed all in red that may have happened somewhere in Pensacola, Florida in the late 80s. There's armed guard, not armed, there's guards at a uh, highway motel in, in Texas guarding a running back that won a Heisman. There may have been an oil well field trip in the Gulf of Mexico that happened to hide a stud defensive lineman. And the kicker, let's hide him in a movie theater. For a matinee. It's cheaper and no one will be looking. I have seen Rambo First Blood 47 times. Coach, doesn't matter. I, I Go get some popcorn. Well, I bring this up, and Dan Patrick was the first to, to kind of bring this up. In, in Tennessee is interesting because, I mean, Kevin Steele's there. Kevin Steele may, may win by default. Because who the hell wants his job? If, if the sanctions are going to be bad, because think about it, man. I mean, with Tennessee, you ran it on yourself in the name of saving $12.7 million. Uh, that isn't good. I mean, the administration <laughs> told on yourself, and I'm all for honesty, but the, the way Tennessee was able to blatantly thumb their nose at rules with assistant coaches, those that were part of the recruiting circle, they would put money in McDonald's bags and hand them to recruits during visits. Uh, a Big Mac, a happy, I would call this a happy meal. You literally had bag men you put the cash in the mcdonald's bag you hand it to the recruits and you're not trying to hide it tennessee got sloppy georgia has gotten sloppy but there's been no word at people looking into georgia this is a copycat league somebody started the fast food run on buying recruits in the 2020s or the 20 teens or the 2000s has it always been hey we're gonna go to mcdonald's but i thought you're on the cutting edge of nutrition and science it's okay we're not ordering anything <laughs> here's a g shut up back in the day and i'm gonna go you freeze era where I mean, there's a digital footprint on everything and anything. And some kids, bless their heart, in their teens aren't smart enough to keep it on the down low. It's one thing to show up driving a new vehicle. It's another to, like, throw out hundreds on a barroom table down in Oxford on your recruiting visit. You remember the picture, Damon, don't you, from like five years ago 
where someone's fanning out $100 bills like they're a wrestler or a WWE superstar on TBS, 8 o'clock Saturday night. Million Dollar Man just fanning himself with hundreds. There was that reenactment. You saw it on Twitter, and, and, and smoke started going, right? And Nebraska was in it. I remember interviewing the kid, Demorne Stringfield, or Stringfellow, right? The wideout could run like a deer, big body, committed to Nebraska, ended up at Old Miss. I don't know how long he lasted at Old Miss. That's a blast from the past. But I honestly think he got – I think he got drafted or he was in the league for a while. So more power to him there. But yeah, there there it's not that you're cheating, but it's it's that you're getting sloppy at cheating. I mean, it's not quite horrific as just Venmo and the kid. But going fast food and throwing money in <laughs> throwing money in the uh, the, the bag is is not a it's not a clean luck, I guess. Um, we'll see, because you have level one and level two sanctions at Tennessee, and uh, you've got the chancellor and those still there cooperating fully. So I thought that was quite humorous. It's, it's not quite grimace on a scooter in the Happy Meal bag. So this, this has got me a bit intrigued as we switch gears. And, you know, when we talk about Nebraska football, you've got 15 new enrollees. You've got a bunch of kids for this 2021 class that are here. And, and that's, that's huge because they need to, to get to work. Nebraska needs to get better. We can go down the list of, you know, who are going to be some impact guys, and we'll talk with Mitch Sherman about that. But I just hope, for the sake of this football program, that they get a normal spring session. And you've been able to roll with the the punches. Great, but it's still COVID. You still got to be careful. And I'm really interested in... You know, what? what's the outlook for a guy like Fedoni impact-wise? You've got some big-time offensive linemen that are here to put work in. Uh, you did have Isaac Zadiska uh, make his announcement as well that he's going to go play at Missouri and, and not Nebraska. But Harburg's here, Prohaska's here, Lutovsky's here, Jaeger's here. Uh, Carney and Fedoni, your two tight ends. Gabe Irvin, your running backs on site. Uh, Raquan Buckley's here. Randolph Kapai, Colin Randy, Seth Malcolm, Marcus Buford, Chris Kovalek. He's a grad transfer from from Northern Iowa. So that's a slew of dudes. And I, I've been told that, that Luke McCaffrey is on campus. He is here. And... That's good news, right, if you're a Nebraska football fan. So you still have McCaffrey here, and uh, we'll see how things play out for the spring. But, you know, I look at, at what's realistic for Fedoni. High-level guy, you want to get him the football, but you just can't step in day one typically in a lot of leagues, let alone the Big Ten and play ball. I think 
I think running back is something though that maybe uh, maybe maybe Gabe Irvin's the guy that can emerge because listen, we saw Scott. We didn't see much, if any, of Morrison. Uh, you've got Ramir Johnson, right? You've got a kid out of Georgia, Tompkins. Can he stay healthy? There are there are options at running back, and your best option's been Mills, and he's gone, and he was he was injured a little bit this year. So for Nebraska to have anything that is good offensively, it's going to be the running back an offensive line with whatever you get out of your quarterback. And can the running game step up? Can that running back room, which they've recruited very well on paper, I just don't know if it if it comes down to lack of, of – and I know they, they said they've practiced a ton, but have they? During this COVID, this pandemic, when you look at spring and fall and you got a bunch of newbies on campus in that running back room, which you did – you only had one old man in the running back room, and that was Mills. I mean, it's 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 a question. Is there enough time to get it together and find a, a one-two punch at running back to go with your quarterback situation? Uh, we'll spend some time with that on Mitch Sherman. Maybe, it, maybe it's going to be Irvin. Maybe it is Gabe Irvin. Maybe you just either missed or the time has passed or – Tompkins is too injury prone or Scott is not what you thought. And and that's that's not a ink statement. It's it's pencil. You you've got time to put work in, develop, and and get better. It's not an ultimate it's it's not a ultimatum statement. It's not a oh well there's no more oppor- no. There's opportunity for these running backs in this run game to to step up and be good and have options at it. But you need to be able to practice and develop and 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 be good when called upon. Interesting article in the World Herald when it comes to the state basketball tournament and uh, Stu Pospisil's covered prep hoops forever. And in his uh, commentary, he says the basketball tournament out of Lincoln should be an option. And I went, hmm? What? But I I do not want this to happen. I don't think this can happen. Be horrific for Lincoln. But he says, okay, is it is it wise to, to only be able to play the state tournament in PBA or the Devaney Center? You move it out of Lincoln for a year, that shouldn't be off the table. And it really kind of comes down to the NSAA and finances. You know, for the NSAA to break even, they need 50% capacity guidelines for its schools. Omaha, Douglas County, allowing 75% of indoor capacity. Lancaster County right now at 25% capacity with a limit of 2,000 for games at high schools. Two spectators per purchase per uh, per participant. So the question is this, and this is your balancing act between health and safety and commerce. Will Lancaster County budge when it revisits the current directed health measures? They expire January thirty first. The NSAA will be hard pressed and financially squeezed to hold boys and girls basketball in Lincoln. 
You need 50% capacity allowed. I think you can do that. I think you can space that. I think you can still mask it. I pray that by the time we get to March, you've got uh, about 250,000 vaccinations. Because I know that CHI is going to have vaccinations uh, at, at Pinnacle Bank Arena. But Omaha's like, sure, come on down or come on up. And we've got SoCal Auditorium. We've got uh, CHI Center. We can sure host state tournament action. If Nebraska, or I should say, if Lincoln loses state girls and boys, they'll never get it back. Period. That would suck. Period. And it's done such a great job, NSAA and PBA and everybody hosting it, even last year during the pandemic. But there's some issues to talk about. Mitch Sherman's on the way with Hale Varsity. And we're back. Fellas, I think we could listen to the radio. On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Thanks for hanging out. Hail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. We welcome in from The Athletic. It is Mitch Sherman time. At Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, what's up? How you doing on Tuesday? I'm doing pretty well, Chris. How are you? Just uh, another Tuesday in January. Yes, we are. And uh, I want to go back, and we had you on uh, last week, last week in normal Mitch time at, at, at 425, and you had a chance to, to get caught up with Jonathan Rutledge and uh, your sit down with with him and your uh, your Q and A with with Rutledge and what are some ta- did, yeah. yeah and and great work on that. What are some takeaways you had on I guess the uh, the attitude of of special teams at Nebraska? Well, um, it was good to hear from Jonathan Rutledge. Uh, unfortunately, it was after his time at Nebraska mm-hmm. had come to an end, and that was. The first that he had, the first opportunity that he had to visit with us in the media about his philosophy on special teams, his um, his views on how it fits in with the other two phases of the game, and of course he had a year in the system at Nebraska to observe the level of commitment that the program, the coaches in the program, players in the program have given to that phase. So it was interesting to hear that. Um, You know, I think that the way that Nebraska approached that coaching position or non-coaching position, to be more exact, uh, speaks in some way to the overall feeling about special teams. And, you know, I don't want to make it sound like Nebraska considers special teams an afterthought. I don't think that's the case. I don't mean it like that. But um, it hasn't been worth uh, in the three years that Scott Frost has been at Nebraska, uh, to them, a full-time coaching spot. It hasn't been worth devoting an entire coaching spot to special teams, in part because of the way they structure the offensive and defensive staff. You see on defense, there's two coaches among the, the linebacker groups. Your, your inside linebackers and outside linebackers have considerably different jobs, and, and they feel there's a need to – have two coaches for those positions. Eric Janander, as the defensive coordinator, doesn't coach a position, so there's a spot right there um, that counts among the ten assistants. And the way they break up the offense too, with um, you know, Scott Frost does not coach a position as the head coach, which is which is normal. 
Um, but it just breaks down differently than the way some programs do it. A number of programs in the Big Ten West, in fact, have special teams coordinators. And um, Nebraska has chosen to go a different route, and it hasn't worked out all that well, to be honest. Uh, and, you know, Rutledge felt like he was um, he was shorthanded at times. His hands were tied a bit in the way that he was able to get, get, get across his, his vision to his players, his message to his players. Um, he was coaching the coaches instead of, as he put it, instead of coaching the players. And, um, you know, it's interesting to hear too what Scott Frost's, uh, what his level of involvement is with special teams. And, uh, it's somewhat hands off. You know, he's, he's got, he's busy with the offense and, you know, he wants to trust a coach, an assistant coach or an analyst in this case to handle everything with special teams. Um, assistants are involved, of course. He's involved, but he's not there. In meetings, I think there needs to just be an examination of the way that Nebraska is handling its special teams and the, the, the commitment that it has to it, the players who are on those units, and the amount of the amount of, uh, of energy they're putting into that phase of the game. Um, I know they tried to emphasize it here in 2020, but it still didn't produce the results um, that they're looking for and the results that they need uh, to to uh, put themselves in the best spot to win those games in the Big Ten West. We have detailed so many games where uh, giving up a play on special teams or not making a play on your own special teams is part of the reason you you know the record's twelve and twenty and there's been so many one score games and the record is what it is in one score games for Nebraska they're close enough to you make a play good uh, for for you on special teams or you prevent a bad on special teams from happening to you. Maybe things are a little bit tighter towards 500, or you're above 500. Or you have mm-hmm. some some better wins. I mean, it, it's that simple. So, I, I guess my next question is: Do you think it's finally kind of sunk through that? Okay, damn, this is a major phase in football. We're going to have a, a decent defense with lots of experience back. You pair the defense with special teams. The offense doesn't need to be inconsistent for another, you know, a third year in a row. But you have a pretty good shot at winning games if you can take two out of the three phases and, and win those on a Saturday. What's well, a formula that's worked in this division? It's yeah. worked for Northwestern, for Wisconsin, for Iowa to pair a strong special teams group with a stingy defense. And we know what Nebraska has on defense coming back next year after the decision by the five. 50 or seniors here over the last couple of weeks to become 60 or seniors, five out of, um, you know, just about everybody has come back. You don't have DiCaprio Boodle back, who's, uh, who's moving on as a 50 year senior. And then, of course, you've lost Colin Miller because of the injury that he suffered this season. Everybody else, uh, as far as the frontline players are gone, Keem Green is transferring, but he was a backup on the defensive line this year. So they are experienced, Eric is experienced in 2021, more experienced probably than any defense in Nebraska history so it presents you an opportunity to pair that with the solid special teams unit and you're going to win games um because of those two areas um you need contributions from your offense and it's that was never the intent and the plan for scott frost to come to nebraska and to have an offense that just um that just got by and didn't prevent your team uh from winning he has always coached offensive teams that win win for their teams. But that may not be the formula for Nebraska to win the most games possible in 2021. It would be best, I think, for this team looking at its makeup right now 
to win with defense and find a way to win with special teams. For the most part, special teams is an area that you can win more so than on offense and defense with attention to detail, um, with the time commitment, um, with effort, energy, focus. Um, offense and defense take more precision and skill than special teams do. Special teams more is more about uh, want to and desire. Uh, so, and you need good kickers. So, uh, it looks like Nebraska is going to have Connor Culp back next year as a returning All Big Ten kicker. Although he has not made that proclamation himself, but Rutledge said he's come that Culp is coming back, and and I think all signs point to that. Um, and and you're going to have Daniel Cerny coming off of an injury as a punter from whom a lot was expected out of Australia, and he didn't get to punt this year or in 2020. So that opportunity is there in 2021. Nebraska should have good kickers next year, and that's a start on special teams. Uh, from there, got to get your coverage and return units in order, and you know they're in search right now of a coach or an analyst to to head up those those um, those those groups. Mitch Sherman's with us from the Athletic Hale Varsity Radio at Mitch Sherman on Twitter's where you find him, and I, I think they'll they'll make a move towards a, a coach. I know that they posted a analyst position, Mitch, but, but they've, they've got to, they got to kind of follow through with this, this prioritizing, don't they? And, and make it a, a full-time position. And that means there'll likely be some, some shuffling going on. Uh, yeah. I thought so a year ago, Chris, I thought a, a year ago when Javon DeWitt left for North Carolina as the outside linebackers coach and special teams coordinator, that Nebraska had to find a way to make it work on its staff. So there was one coach among the 10 full-timers who was responsible only for special teams. And uh, they talked to a number of candidates. Um, and I think it was public at the time that Nebraska talked to Sean Snyder, the special teams guru and son of Bill Snyder, long time at Kansas State. And Sean was very interested, um, wanted the job, had agreed to take the job, but it wasn't a full-time coaching role. And there are some different rules about hiring practices for non-full-time coaching roles within the university. He had to wait. Nebraska had to wait to make that thing official until the end of January last year because of those different rules. And in that period of time between when he accepted it or agreed to accept it, and the closing date for that job came. USC had an opening for a full-time assistant coach as a special teams coordinator. So right there, and you can see just how the difference in the way that these jobs work um, potentially cost Nebraska the opportunity to employ somebody who could have, um, who has more experience working with great special teams than um, 31-year-old Jonathan Rutledge, who has been around, but just just you know he, he doesn't have the same credentials that Sean Snyder has. So to me, that shows um, the need to have more of a commitment in that area. And I think the best way to do it still is to, yes, have a full-time coach who's a special teams coordinator. Uh, then there are no, there's no, there's no room or an excuse at that point. He's on the field. He's working with your guys every day. He can do everything that your defensive coordinator or your offensive coordinator can do. Um, and there's not a, a communica- communication gap um, that potentially exists. I think it's the right way to go, but um, obviously if Nebraska is going to choose to do that, 
uh, we still have an analyst. That position that it's that it's that it's advertising for the analyst can still exist and can work with the special teams coordinator. That's probably a good idea. Uh, but it, they would need, as you said, Chris, they would need to find a way to reduce one of the staff positions that mm-hmm. exist right now uh, on this uh, on this ten man. Uh, coaching staff. Mitch, about a minute of the new enrollees. Is there one player your your radar is up for most? Well, I'm for sure interested in Thomas Fedoni. Yep. And I wrote about him last week. We may have talked about him last week. Um, you know, he interestingly has not just worked to become a better tight end and a better receiver. He's worked over the last three months since his high school season ended in Council Bluffs to get himself ready to take hits and uh, prevent himself from getting injured. I think that's the number one thing when you're Thomas Fedoni and you're six foot five, 235 pounds with big hands and long arms and great leaping ability and good speed. Um, you, you need to stay healthy. That's the, the biggest obstacle between him and getting to the next level. The NFL uh, is, is going to be his ability to stay healthy. So he's been working on a lot of those things with injury prevention, which I think is great. Because most players don't really get to that stuff until they've had a serious injury. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested to see for sure what he does in his first spring. I think Nebraska is going to use him um, as a receiver in a lot of in a lot of looks, and then and then uh, you know slowly make him more of a tight end when Austin Allen uh, and Travis Bokulak leave the program. But um, you know there are others um, all around. Nebraska has what 12 freshmen enrolling early yep. and three older transfers so 15 guys is a lot of newcomers to have on scholarship in the spring um hopefully we get out there and get to see a little bit of spring practice outside in person this year and it should be a uh, a much different looking group than than the one that uh, that finished the fall mitch good stuff thanks for catching up this week we'll do it again appreciate your time bud okay thanks chris Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me, try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Good stuff from Mitch Sherman. That'll be posted on ESPN Lincoln's On Demand. You know, where Nebraska heads, how soon that uh, may happen with special teams, whether it's... Yes, we'll add another analyst, but we're going to add a full-time coach when and if that staff shuffling happens, maybe towards the end of the week or in the near future. And some of those newcomers, 15 early enrollees or a couple of portal portal guys as uh, winter conditioning is underway. 466-3776-466-377-76800-825-5865. About 20 minutes away, Rick Kaczynski is with us. We'll also spend some time with Jacob Padilla. He'll preview Nebraska volleyball for 2021. And some Husker make that prep hoops. We're still waiting on Husker basketball to get healthy and cleared. So this is the time of year where you get some projections out from national media. A friend of the show, love seeing him uh, during Big Ten Media Days, Adam Rittenberg, senior writer with ESPN. So you've got uh, the pandemic, you've got the college football playoff that's concluded, and now the coaching carousel and and all (laughs) eyes are on Tennessee with uh, what they're going through. And, you know, the, the jobs have been filled 
and there's shuffling with assistant staffs, but South Carolina, Arizona, Illinois, Texas, and, and now Tennessee has an interim, even Marshall, right? So when you look at the the hot seat versus, all right, they're, they're not on the hot seat, but keep an eye on, right? And as you'd imagine, two names are front and center on the radar in the Big Ten. Damon, do you have two guesses for two names on the radar for either hot seat or keep an eye on? Is Scott Frost on that radar? Scott Frost is on the radar for the Big Ten with keep an eye on. It's not on the hot seat, but keep an eye on Scott Frost, says Adam Rittenberg. You know who's who is on the hot seat? Well, I, I normally I'd say Harbaugh, but he just got that big extension. Is he still still on that list? Or? Well, let's be careful at the big extension. <laughs> you go from eight million to four million with minimal buyout. Yeah, <laughs> get it not get it done now, khakis and topless wrestling, or move on. Nobody wanted you in the NFL either. So yes. Rittenberg's list has two Big Ten coaches. So if nothing would have happened, you'd have Lovey on here. All right. And, you know, it's kind of where we're at. So here's what Adam Rittenberg has to say. Wouldn't be surprised the Big Ten has no forced changes after 2021. So that's good. You want folks to keep their job and do well. At least I'm kind of that guy. But Harbaugh and Frost are both decorated former quarterbacks coaching at their alma maters who arrived with proven coaching profiles. Now, despite varying levels of underachievement, they'll simply get more time than others to get things right. Even though Michigan floundered in 2020, uh, no one really felt Harbaugh would get fired from Michigan. He'd leave or the NFL would come calling. So, could you see a change at Michigan in 2021? Rittenberg's right about this. Harbaugh's got to deliver something. Beat Michigan State. Take down Ohio State. That's what's maddening, is, is Mel Tucker worked you in Ann Arbor. Granted, it was empty. But that's what's horrific, Michigan, in in most years, is not beating Ohio State. And they're not beating Ohio State when Urban was there. You you were close a couple of times. Moving on to Frost, 12-20 and is the disappointment that has Nebraska fans frustrated. And listen, it's one thing to not have a division title. It's another thing not to have a league title. You don't have any top 20 finishes. Nebraska fans are very loyal to Frost. The sense is, has this, is this still pretty heavy? And I think it is. People I talk to, and the take is, well, if Scott can't do it in Lincoln, nobody can. Who can do it if Scott can't do it? And that's, that's really kind of been the take. And, and I, I agree with it. But I think figuring out your, your offensive identity in year three is is so vital and and he's a smart 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 football coach he's absolutely 
brilliant with with scheme and X's and O's. And even the system that that is his his own that he grew up with in Oregon and what he wants to do in Lincoln. I mean, the guy knows a ton of football and he's a really good coach, right? He, he just, and people right now are like, well, you know, he's 12 and listen, it's not gone well here. And, and he's underachieved here. And there are a lot of games that, that have been botched by Nebraska. Nebraska's record against Nebraska is probably 20 and 12. That's the, the frustrating part. He's too good a coach for that stuff to go on. And you don't know if you're going to get every coaching hire right. I love the loyalty. I love the fact you brought your entire staff because, listen, the, the reality is too many coaches get too big time and forget the guys who helped them get where they're at. There's no reason to not bring a really good football coach with you from a smaller school to a big-time program. You can do that. But don't take everybody for the sake of taking everybody if they're not performing. And that's where the maturity and the tough part of the job and the $5 million a year also kind of, that's part of the hazard pay along with, listen, dude, don't lose to Minnesota. Listen, dude, don't lose to Illinois. Listen, dude, don't lose to Purdue. Start splitting with Iowa and Wisconsin. Didn't get a chance against Wisconsin this year. And not to can completely go, this thing's the sky is falling. I look at the defense, how well they're playing, how they've developed, how you're not getting pushed around on the line to scrimmage. There's some positives there. But don't be sloppy and undisciplined. I mean, that, that is coaching 101. You know, we don't see it. We don't know. But from a development standpoint, that's how you're going to win at Nebraska. You're going to bring in some talent, but you're going to develop that talent. And what's what was even able to be pulled off with practice with COVID? In all honesty, I'm asking. Were you able to develop guys? Were they able to develop themselves much in 2020 because of, of what was going on it doesn't seem very nebraska like to not have an option at running back right now they're better than that and i think they know that so yep frost and and harbaugh on the list or mentioned and now and now back to hail varsity radio one final time, it's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Mitch Sherman in Hour 1. We've talked a little bit about McDonald's bags and recruiting violations. Who doesn't want that happy meal? You're 17. by a lot of PlayStations. <laughs> um, we'll hear from Rick Kaczynski coming up. A uh, longtime Nebraska assistant to defensive line coach also at Iowa. We'll dive into recruiting. Get some takes from the trail from him. Uh, plenty of thoughts on on Tennessee and more on, you know, Nebraska, their board, and the development side. We've, we've spent time, too, on special teams with Mitch Sherman and, you know, Nebraska making that commitment to really be better in that phase. And listen, the, the, the formula to win, right? There's a lot of different ingredients with that formula, but Nebraska – 
has the opportunity to be better than they're showing at uh, Big Ten play. 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. Can email Chris at HaleVarsity.com and find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio or at Damon Barr, two R's with Damon. Reminder, 70% of people in fatal crashes in Nebraska not wearing their seatbelt. If used properly, a seatbelt can can uh, reduce the risk of fatal injury by 60%. Your best defense in any crash, buckling up, brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. So, Damon... I got to figure out where you're leaning with the NFL this weekend. Are you going to be shocked, surprised if Mr. Miyagi comes in and Mahomes is healed? It, it would be um, definitely a sight. I don't want the Chiefs to lose if he's out. I don't want that to be the storyline. Your, your you know? faith level in Chad Henney zero? No, Chad Henney. I I will cheer he's for Chad Henney. He's a Big Henney Ten quarterback. But just could you could you imagine that what people would say if the Bills won the Super Bowl? Oh, it's because Mahomes was injured. There'd be no tag on it. Bills Mafia will break you over a table if you if you take anything away from them. Oh, for sure. But it it would you got to beat you got to probably beat Aaron Rodgers anyway, or Mm -hmm. or Tom Brady in Tampa Bay at home. Yeah, I uh, I I hope Tampa can do it. I know they rolled Green Bay earlier in the season. Not super faithful. Honestly, I just I just have a gut feeling about Green Bay, and I think Patrick Mahomes is going to be uh, good to go. And what I don't get, and we'll talk about uh, this with Dr. Doug tomorrow, Dr. Doug Tavis, the Mahomes concussion. I don't know where, if he like suffered a stinger, or if it was concussion. I know he's in concussion protocol. They said all that, but the way he was running to the to the locker room, like he was running. He was running. I mean, legit, he was hauling, man. And I don't know if he could run like that. I've not ever been concussed. At least my wife tells me I've never been concussed. Someday, if I keep snoring. Excited to talk, Rick Kaczynski. Talk some big red in the NFL with Sue and Khalil Davis and Levante. Recruiting thoughts and uh, defensive line development, all that stuff next hour. And yes, Jacob Padilla will talk some Husker volleyball with us. Hour two's on the way with Hale Varsity. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back into an hour two at Tail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Let's say hi to Rick Kaczynski, assistant at Nebraska and Iowa. Kaz, did you have a good football weekend? Yeah, it wasn't too bad. Normally, don't watch a whole lot of NFL, but uh, you know, got a chance to watch some watch some good games here this weekend. So, just just glad we had some good games finally. 
But uh, this this time of the year, anytime there's there's stakes on the line, just makes it makes it that much more interesting. And uh, guys playing a little bit harder, playing with a little bit more edge. So yeah, it was pretty pretty enjoyable. Guys, uh, got three Huskers uh, in Tampa, of course, Sue and Levante, and then Khalil Davis has made quite an impact. Uh, with Tampa and, and Carlos also did well up in, in Pittsburgh and I know you recruited the twins and uh, just some, some impressions here as, as you watch some some Husker alumni in the postseason specifically specifically Khalil well I think you look at those guys there's some pretty good players and uh, you know some of the rhetoric, rhetoric when uh, you know our staff was there about recruiting you know, you, there, there aren't guys like that on the current roster, and there definitely wasn't guys like that. Well, I mean, a few of those guys were on Riley's uh, mm-hmm. roster. But, uh, you know, um, they're just uh, you know, unbelievable players. I mean, uh, when when I had the opportunity to recruit the Davis twins, you know, one, they're, they're good kids. Two, they're within the radius. So, uh, you know, you got guys playing in the cold. You got guys that understand uh, what it's like to play in the Big Ten understand the play in 30 mile an hour wind gust and mud and rain and snow and i think you know you got guys with an edge um guys with huge upside you know i i obviously i had malik as a barometer Mm -hmm. he was a wrestler athletic and i always thought that the twins if i had the opportunity you know to coach those guys i mean just to to have that type of development i thought that uh they could have ended up being better players than than malik but uh Man, you know, Davis Twins and then Sue, obviously, probably the, not probably, the uh, the greatest defensive lineman to play at, in modern college football. Um, just just dominant. And uh, obviously, Levante, a great, unbelievable player. Um, unfortunately, he was, uh, I was on the other side of the fence when he was at Nebraska. But uh, that that's what you... You know, that's what you look to recruit. Uh, that's what you look to have. And, I, you know, what's crazy, if you look at those kids, Schmitty, is, you know, they weren't guys um, They weren't guys that came in and played right away. Just to show you how the, how the different uh, recruiting has come and college football has come. Um, you know, Levante, I, I remember those guys telling stories. He was just out there playing football, you know, trying to learn the defense while he was out there. And then, obviously, Sue, you know, he hit a stride once – once Bo got there and, uh, you know, unfortunately didn't have the uh, privilege of coaching the Davis twins. But, yeah, man, great great to see those guys out there, man. That's that's why I watch. I really don't watch unless I have something, yeah. <laughs> you know, vested <laughs> like that. And But uh, it's definitely – I kept kept looking – Kept looking for uh, for my man, uh, but uh, obviously Sue's easy to find. Levante's easy to find. Sure, but uh, still, still trying to find the other cat out there. Well, Claiborne had a hell of a day against Kansas City too, man. I mean, he was in the backfield a ton. Yeah, he's he's just a tough old dude, and to play that long in the league, um, you know, that tells you about a guy who's done everything right off the field. Um, you know, mentally, physically, and to play that position and to play it as well as he has in uh you know for 10 years it's it's really it's really pretty pretty amazing and uh just couldn't be happier uh for that kid i guarantee he probably still has his first dollar he'll he'll, he'll retire from uh i guarantee as smart as adrian is and mm-hmm. the family that he comes from um i i bet he's got uh 
about 98% of his dollars that he's made in the NFL. So just an unbelievable kid, unbelievable player. So great, great to see him out there playing still. Few minutes. Rick Kaczynski's with us, uh, longtime assistant at Nebraska and Iowa Hale Varsity Radio. Kaz, uh, when it comes to to defining what you want to go after, kind of give us a, a sneak peek with with how you your process started with finding a guy like the a couple of guys like the Davis Twins, like a Claiborne, like. Uh, a guy that is going to be a difference maker, like a like a Malik, like a Randy. I mean, that 500 mile radius so so vital for Nebraska, for Iowa, for for programs that have to recruit outside the region. When it came to setting your board, when it came to setting your research, when it came to advocating for why we need to spend a scholarship on this guy, if you're down to a couple three left, uh, give us a look behind the curtain, if you don't mind. Just just how that goes down at major in major college football. Yeah, well, you know, there's a couple different, uh, you know, categories you can put those things in. Um, you know, when you look at O-line and D-line, those type of guys, you're, you're not, unless you have a Randy Gregory where you need an immediate need, right? Right. Um, like we knew Randy, we need we had a need, we needed that pass rusher, a guy that could, could win a, a one-on-one, um, that's what we needed. That's what we were lacking once Eric Martin left. So you go out, you recruit a junior college kid that you're hoping to come in and is mature enough physically. Um, you never quite know the mental side of it till you get him there. But we knew Randy was an athletic freak, and I knew Randy from high school when he was in Fishers, recruited him at Iowa. So I, I, had, I had a past with it. I knew a lot more about a guy like Randy mm-hmm. than most folks know about junior college kids. So, you know, that was an immediate need, a guy that we were anticipating, something we didn't have on campus, but somebody we knew who was intelligent enough, mature enough, um, and physically capable of doing the things we needed to have him get done from day one. Uh, quite frankly, at Iowa and the rest of the guys I recruited at Nebraska, if you're, if you're counting on guys, especially on the D-line and O-line, um, to help you as true freshmen, to count on them for significant playing time. To, it, it's one thing of them helping you out, making them a little bit better, but when you're counting on them, you're not, it's, it's not a good program. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, I never had to do that. Um, I've been, I was at, obviously, great programs with Iowa in Nebraska where we didn't have to have guys come in, where we're counting on guys we really don't know anything about other than what their high school coach told us and what we're seeing against high school players who aren't very well coached sometimes, Mm -hmm. who aren't physically um, on the same playing level. So you really don't know a whole lot. So to count on guys to come in and help you right away, I I just never really recruited those guys. I think – you know, you gotta you got to look at what you have on campus, maximize that, and then, okay, you're recruiting guys, or at least this is what I did. I recruited guys that I thought we could develop, right? Guys, look at their frame. I look at their length. I looked at the, the parts of their body that bent, the hips, knees, and ankles. If you can't bend those, you can't play Division One football, period, end of story. So I, I love multiple sport athletes, love wrestlers, right, love hoop players. Um, yeah, I always encourage guys to uh, to play multiple sports that I, that I was recruiting. But you know, I was looking at guys, Smitty, that uh, that I thought, man, we get this guy in the weight room, and when Claiborne graduates, man, this guy's going to replace him. 
man, Malik, this guy can be a compliment to Malik Collins in year three. I, I never was looking at guys that I thought, man, we got to have this guy. If you're, if you're putting all your eggs in a high school kid's basket, yeah, you're not going to be there very long. Mm-hmm. And um, I think you also have to be realistic. I, I you know, uh, I'm steal something from Urban. I heard an interview he did with Dan Dockett this weekend. And, uh, you know, Doc had said something, man, you know, goal Super Bowls. And Urban said, no, goals aren't Super Bowls. The goal is to, you know, maximize what we have on the roster, right? It's it's not about, you know, same thing. It's not about winning. Cha- I didn't recruit to win championships, right? I, I, I recruited to enhance what we had and develop those guys. But I was also realistic about who you're going to go after, who you have a chance to who you have a chance to get. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I can't, you can't beat Alabama. You know, you can't beat Clemson, you know, on a kid from, you know, from Greenville, South Carolina, or Charlotte, North Carolina. So, you know, be smart. Know who you're going after. You know, you can beat Missouri. You can beat Kansas. You can beat Kansas State. Um, you're going to be in an, you know, you're going to, you, you got an opportunity to beat the schools in the Big Ten that look like you. Mm-hmm. So, so those are the guys that you go after. Well, and and then you you hit on the development phase, and I did not catch the the Dockich Urban interview, but we spent a little time on on Urban last week, and he's ready to rock in in Jacksonville. And is there a is there a moment in a living room that, that sticks out with you as far as? Uh, when you're when you're talking with mom and dad, or maybe you're talking with a guardian, or you're talking with the kid, uh, knowing that it's going well, and and being able to to kind of close the deal. That's the other aspect of this. And then the other side is, you know, getting getting the production out of them once they they get to campus. Well, as far as closing the deal. Um, you're limited, or at least, you know, when I was in it, yeah, which is, it's like dog years now, you know, being six years out, seven years out. I mean, that's, that's a lifetime ago. And the way recruiting and the way the contacts have changed, but mm-hmm. you still, you still don't have a whole lot of contact. Um, you're, 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 you're in the home maybe once or twice, um, you know, and, and that's about it. But, it, it's still you're building that relationship, and that's that's the hard part is building that relationship with with having um, very little contact. And it, recruiting really changed a lot with the with the invention of cell phones. Where before you'd call the house and mom would answer, dad would answer. Even when cell phones came out, you know you know you called mom and and then uh, you know you got an opportunity to talk to her and and then the kid got on the phone. Um, but the big thing is is trying to figure out, you know, who's helping this person make the decisions. Um, you got to think about being a 16, 17-year-old kid. I, w- I was in that situation. I was fortunate that I had two parents to help me make that mm-hmm. decision because if I made the decision on my own, uh, you know, I would have probably made the wrong decision based on what I was making my decisions on. So, um, you know, when I went to Notre Dame at 17 on a visit, I, I wasn't smart enough uh, or mature enough to understand, like, hey, you know, this degree means a little bit something, too. There's more, there's more to, you know, just playing football at Notre Dame. You know, it's uh, you know, being a Catholic kid, the spiritual side of it, all, all, all those mm-hmm. things. Uh, 
um, you know, there, there's so much more go in that goes into it. So you got to figure out who's helping, who's helping these kids making the decision. But to be honest with you, you know, I love being in the in the uh, in the living rooms. But there, there, I love being in the homes. And there was never a time, you know, really, you never really know uh, up until almost signing day uh, what's going to happen. Right. I mean, you really, you really, you know, you got a pretty good feel for it. But, you know, I've had kids call me, tell me, commit. I've had kids on signing day tell me, come, they're, they're committing and never received the papers. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, that happened to us with a defensive end from New Jersey that, that went to Ohio State, you know, that morning. Call them, hey, man, can't wait to be a Husker. And next thing you know, he's signing with Ohio State. Um, so, you know, all kind of things can happen, but it still comes down to relationships and, you know, knowing the coaches, you know, having the coaches involved and, and who's helping these kids make the decisions. But there's, you know, there's nothing, uh, how do I want to say, I, I guess I think recruiting sometimes is maybe a little bit more romanticized than it actually is. Um, and I think that's why it's important from the beginning uh, you get a pretty good idea of, of who you're going after and who you can legitimately get. And then you build the relationship. You build the relationship from there and then, you know, to be honest, it's easy because you know who you are? You're you. Because those kids, they can see right through a phony. You know, you don't promise them anything, but, you, but you know, you tell them that, hey, man, I can, this is, this is your, I can enhance you. I can enhance your brand. And here's the proof. Here's the guys that I coached. Here's the places I've coached. Here's the teams I've been a part of. Here's the staffs I've been a part of. And here, here are the guys that followed the formula and look at their success. And this is how I see you. Now, this is what I'm going to do to help you get there. And, and that's really that's really what it's about. Good stuff from Rick Kaczynski. We'll have a few more minutes with Coach Kaz. And, and that's kind of been the big theme today, right, has been formula, whether it's defense and special teams to, to win in the Big Ten, uh, being able to survive bad weather football, uh, recruiting, getting the right kid, and then or getting the greedy kid. If you're talking about Tennessee, with the ultimate, the mother of all happy meal experiences, when you go to Tennessee and there's some some cash in the McDonald's bag. So more more with Coach Kaczynski. Uh, Going to dive into some f- some further recruiting stuff, and I'm interested in this because. I mean, we're two weeks away from signing day. You got a, a spot or two left. And, you know, Nebraska was pretty good defensively this year. You've seen some development. You've got guys that are younger, but they, they've been brought along on the defensive side of the ball. Same with the offensive side, because that's, that's some upside with where Nebraska's headed to. It just kind of comes down to that offensive identity. And what he decided to do special teams-wise, really, truly. Because you can win like Iowa, like Wisconsin, like Northwestern. Hell, like Minnesota. Minnesota's special teams were incredible two years ago when they went 11-2, and two, specifically in the return game. So it can be done, and it's okay to do it. We'll see where Nebraska goes with it. More with Rick Kaczynski. Hail Varsity continues presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. 
few more minutes. Rick Kaczynski joins us at Hale Varsity Radio. Kaz, uh, I want to switch gears and, you know, from a camaraderie standpoint with the staff, that's that's big, that's important. And your the camaraderie level on the staffs you were on, I assume, was was pretty high. Did you uh, did you partake in, in noon ball at all, or were you more of a oh. were you a basketball guy? Oh, absolutely. So absolutely. I need I need to hear noon. some noon ball stories. Well, there's a lot of picks, but not on the head coach. I don't think I was smart enough right from the <laughs> right from the jump. I wouldn't I wouldn't set in a pick on on old Bo unless he saw it coming. But uh, one, he got you know. He had to force Bo to his uh, force him to his right because sure, man, he had a left. He could go by you, but man, he was he was freaky athletic. But uh, and then you know, me and Garrison would battle. So Garrison still built like a lineman, and you know, I'm, I'm built like a you know like a like a tight end flash receiver. And uh, you know, I'd get uh, when when he'd get pissed off, he would just post me up and knock me into. Uh, Knocked me into the first row of chairs, but uh, yeah, that's that's definitely a young man's game. Um, but uh, yeah, noon hoops was noon hoops was fun. You know, kind of broke up the day. So it was great for the great for the staff. But uh, you know, it's funny when Bo would Bo would Bo would play noon hoops. It was always a little bit tougher to find ten. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because the the game the game was a little bit different, a little, little bit tense. So, so, I was, was uh, going to say, I've heard stories of of uh, you know maybe some phantom fouls being called if a shot was missed. <laughs> Not, I never saw that. No? I never saw <laughs> well, it that. depends on never, what team you're on, right? <laughs> yeah, I never, yeah, I never, I, I never saw that. Uh, you know, but uh, but yeah, I, I kept uh, I, I wasn't guarding him whole much, a whole lot, and then if I was on his team, I was I was giving I was I was dishing the ball pretty quick too. So uh, you know, I was I was a non-factor. To be honest, I was just trying. I was like Rodman. I get some boards. Okay, and uh, yeah, I, yeah, I was working out, lifting too. You know, so I, I lost my mobility, and uh, yeah, I couldn't shoot anymore, man. <laughs> Gee, I don't, I don't buy that, Kaz. Like, come on now. I, here's, here's my thing. I'd be, I'd be up, I'd be up, and I'd get some boards, man. But uh, you know, that's a, that's a tough game, man. That, that's, you know, that type, that skill. When you don't play for a while, or if you don't play consistently, man, that's a, that's a skill you lose real, real easy. So, so. who are the, who are, who are the teams? Did, did, they, did you break them up, oh. or was it always kind of a? Globe, no, Globe, yeah, Globetrotters shoot, versus shoot. Generals thing. First, first five, first, first five make a free throw. Okay, that's how we got it done. Yeah. So, yeah, I think sometimes guys missed on purpose. <laughs> so, uh, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, you know, we had big, big. Yeah, I tell you who could play. You know, Vince Barrow. He could play, man. Oh, really? Freaky athlete. Vince yeah, good? yeah, yeah. He cherry pick a little, but he could play, man. He he could shoot, and then when he wanted to go. When he, you know, if he, if he made him mad, man, he he took it he took it over. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so you know, just middle aged men working out, and fortunately, nobody uh, nobody blew an Achilles in the uh, three and a half years that's, I was there. So that's pretty good, <laughs> Kaz. Uh, what's your outlook on on Tennessee here, uh, Coach oh, Steele? Long time assistant at Nebraska, and, and and Coach Steele's been a lot of stops in the SEC, and pretty. Uh, pretty uh renowned recruiter but he's back home at his alma mater and right now he's the interim but you know i see names for that tennessee gig i don't know how 
bad sanctions will be, but I mean, they're you know Tennessee is got the old lawyers phoned up and they got the investigation going on. And man, uh, how how big of a blow is this for the uh, for the volunteers? Oh, it's a, it's a huge blow. Um, and just the way it was handled, I mean, you know, they one they 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 do their own investigation, hire attorneys. Um, you know, they tell on themselves. You know, you, you know, the NCAA takes a lot of heat, um, but I can tell you, NCAA doesn't want to want to put people on probation. NCAA wants to work with you. Um, you know, I, like I said, it's just I, I, what little I know about the mm-hmm. situation is the same as everybody else knows. It's not in Tennessee. You know, it looks like they were trying to figure out a way to get rid of him and uh, not have to pay him. But I think sometimes, you know, what's what's twelve million, or if they would have been able to settle with with Pruitt and the other guys, um, you know, that they fired, you know, how much would it have cost them? I, I I just think that they could have went about that a little bit better, how they handled it. Uh, but obviously, they showed their cards. They they did not want Pruitt to be their head coach. Um, now, what happens with Coach Steele? He might he might be the only guy that that wants that job. Mm-hmm. It's it's gonna it's it's gonna be difficult for a guy to want to take that job. Uh, one, you don't have an AD. Uh, two, I mean, who knows what's gonna happen in, with the recruiting cycle? And then anytime there's NCAA investigations looming over your head, that makes you nervous. Um, and then four, you got an administration that that told on. <laughs> that told on himself. So, so you know, if I'm if I'm a head coach, um, oh, and you're in the SEC East, so and everybody's getting better in that league. So, um, and and you don't have a whole lot, you know, your recruiting base. Tennessee's a big state, landmass wise, uh, not historically a great high school football state. Mm-hmm. You know, they got pockets and players here and there. There's not enough to to field a team, and they're you know. Uh, people come in poach great players from there so you know right now if I'm a high school kid and I'm getting recruited by Tennessee and I'm getting recruited by North Carolina and South Carolina and Clemson and Georgia man it's it, you know they just made it real easy for me to leave the state so I tell you they, they got a they got an uphill climb um, you know once again Schmidt you, you look at it, it starts at the top and since Coach Fulmer left. Look how many coaches they've had. Yeah. You just can't build a program that way. It, when you don't have an in-state recruiting base, it, it's so fragile. It is so fragile, uh, a program like that. Um, and, you know, just the disruptions, they, they set you back. I mean, it's going to be – it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take a long, long time for, for Tennessee to, um, to recover. Now, they'll recover. Great facilities, great – um, great campus, uh, great fans. I mean, it's just uh, I've, I've I've been fortunate to to see football games there. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been fortunate to be on the sidelines there uh, for a couple losses at South Carolina when I was uh, GA. I mean, it's a it's a, it's a great place, but uh, they're gonna it's a total reset button right now. So uh, you know, Coach Steele might end up he might he might be the guy. You know, alumnus that wants to see it right get it right you know he, he might be the guy he might be the only guy right now and that might be exactly what tennessee needs kaz last thought just what's truth and rumor about the climate in the sec when it comes to recruiting is it 
ultra uber cutthroat dirty or is it uh, is that just puffed up i think like i said earlier i, I think a lot of things about recruiting is romanticized and and but but also too i think for the most part um there's a lot of integrity amongst the coaches especially now i tell you what what helps you keep integrity the you look at what these guys are making um I'm not risking losing my job. I can tell you that with these guys making uh, close to seven figures and above seven figures. So, you know, to uh, to do that for uh, uh, to put yourself on the line for a 17, 16 year old kid that you don't that you're not sure can play or not. I, I don't think there's a lot of coaches doing that. No, you know, you give me a, a 12 pack of buds. And uh, I'll get Coach Ford, and we can tell some stories from back in the seventies and eighties. I, I am, I am I'm leaving now. I am leaving now to Actually, hear about seventies yeah, recruiting. You better get a, you better you better get a case to Coach Coach Ford. He, when you're with Coach Ford, it's, he's got one request or two requests: Budweiser and a bunch of them. So, uh, <laughs> uh, but there's you know, that was a that was a different time. But you know, nowadays it's it to be honest with you, it, it's. If, if there's things going on, I, I, I honestly, and maybe I'm naive, maybe I'm an idiot, um, and, but I, I find it hard. If there's things going on, I don't, I don't think it's uh, instigated by the coaches. Now, you know, every, there's a lot of fan bases where you, you got some people trying to get involved to get mm-hmm. kids, but, man, it, with social media and cameras and, you know, there, there's paper trails, text sure. trails. Gosh, I just don't. I, I mean, you, you'd have to, you'd have to be CIA, KGB, to uh, to, to to attempt to cheat mm-hmm. and 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 get away with it. And if you're not good at it, you know, I guess you get fired along with nine other people. So, yeah. um, but I, you know, I've I've been down here. I've been to practices at, at South Carolina. Um, no guys on the staff, obviously no guys on the staff at Georgia, no guys on the staff at Florida, a and I just, I, I just don't think it happens. Yeah. I just think that, uh, a lot of, a lot of people, um, you know, when teams are good, right, they're going to take shots at you. I'm sure, I'm sure that was said about Nebraska in the nineties. I'm sure it was said about, matter of fact, I know it was said about Nebraska and, uh, you know, it's just when when you're on top, and the SEC is a is a top conference, and um, people are going to shoot darts yeah, at you, sure. just like they shot darts at Nebraska in the '80s and '90s. So that's just that's just part of the gig, man. Kaz, this was fun to chat again, man. I'll, I'll work on getting that Budweiser and come <laughs> see you guys and sit in the sun sometime. <laughs> come on down, brother. Wear a mask. <laughs> Thanks, Kaz. Thank you. Rick Kaczynski, a uh, good chat with him. Uh, we'll talk with Jacob Padilla coming up. But, Damon, we, we can do that. Would you be okay with heading down to, to South Carolina, put a case of Budweiser on ice, throw it in the cooler, and take us a while? But it'd be all right to go kick it in South Carolina with Kaz and Coach Danny Ford. Yeah, I could, I could use a week vacation during, you know, first week of the, the new semester. Let's let's head down there next Tuesday. You, next Tuesday. So do you guys crank up on? Monday. We start Monday, yeah. 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 Well, good luck and God bless that. I don't miss that. Do not miss that. Uh, got an update here on Patrick Mahomes. Chiefs quarterback Mahomes remaining in NFL concussion protocol, it's too early to say that he'll definitely play 
in Sunday's game. That's a source to Adam Schefter. But Mahomes cleared certain steps Monday, some big steps, says the source to Schefter. The reigning Super Bowl MVP must go through other steps to clear the concussion protocol in coming days. There is hope and optimism, considering he's expected to practice Wednesday. That is good news. Players are allowed to practice in a limited fashion while still in protocol, which includes five steps players need to be cleared to being given access to play ball. Let's hope we see that on Sunday. Jacob Adil is on the way with Hale Varsity. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, it's Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Jacob Padilla with us from Hale Varsity. And Jacob Padilla underscore his podcast with Damon Benning. Gets all things prep covered. And Jacob, you're all over volleyball too as well, man. Thanks for the time. And what's your outlook here? Nebraska starts out with Coach Cook and company at, at number five in the country. How do you think they can navigate a, a, a COVID season? Uh, hopefully it'll be less of a COVID season with vaccinations. But uh, just overall, what's your outlook on this squad? It'll certainly be interesting just how different the season is going to look with trade in the conference play with the back-to-back. I think maybe this season more than ever before, mental toughness and high-level coaching is going to be so important and is going to be apparent because you do have the, the quick turnaround where you're playing Friday and then you're playing that same team again on Saturday. I think you feel pretty good about Nebraska as a program in those two categories. So the Huskers could do very well in this format with Cook in charge and kind of the way he trains his program and develops that mental toughness, and especially with all the experience they've got coming back. I mean, they've got all seven starters back, if you include the libero from last year. Got a couple of key subs, um, and, and they've got some newcomers that could break into the lineup too and add a, a different dimension to it. So um, I think they're set up to, to do well as well as – one can during a pandemic season. It's just a matter of can they stay healthy? And they've got some depth in certain places, but um, in others, not as much. And it's hard to know, like, um, where, how absences and um, positive tests mm-hmm. might impact a program as a whole. Um, if you lose Nicklin Hames, um, if she were to test positive at some point and have to miss a, a couple of weeks, then you're down to a true freshman walk-on at setter and nobody behind her. Mm-hmm. So um, it's it's going to take some luck, just like everybody. Uh, we're seeing right now that uh, the men's basketball program did not have that luck, but um, hopefully kind of the reduced travel that, that this volleyball season um, is designed to um, create will help them to, to stay a little bit, um, little bit safer than maybe what we've seen with basketball programs to this point. Jacob Padilla is with us. HaleVarsity.com and Magazine at Jacob Padilla underscore on Twitter. Jacob, uh, let's uh, talk some some prep basketball and uh, some impressions uh, over the weekend since we last talked. I know Pius was was in it uh, against uh, Bell West and and Bell West kind of put on a run, but you know, some, some scores and thoughts over the weekend here if 
you're going to give me your your quick power rankings here. Who's who's wowed you most here in the last week? That Bellevue West game was my first chance to see Pius in person. My takeaway is that they're not they're not in that top tier with Miller North and Bellevue West, but they definitely belong in that second group with the likes of Creighton Prep and Omaha Central. Um, I think that's a pretty solid top five right there in A. Mm-hmm. And then you've got a handful of teams that are kind of battling for that next tier. Uh, and then even the tier beyond that, there's a lot of teams that are kind of in that middle of Class A that have that have some talent but haven't necessarily put it all together consistently yet. Um, so the Pius, they played well for long stretches of that game. They just didn't shoot the ball well enough. And Bellevue West got hot, shot 50% from three, pulled away in the fourth quarter, and Pius just couldn't, couldn't match it. So um, they're going to definitely need to shoot a little bit better to kind of have a chance to make a deep run come the postseason, but they've got the ability to do that, uh, I think. And neither of the Hoiberg twins have kind of gotten off to the, the shooting start that they're capable of. I, I'd expect that to, to go up kind of as the season goes on and they kind of get uh, get back in the flow and everything with Pius's and everybody's in Lincoln's delayed start. I think that's kind of what that game proved me. I think the more we see that the, the tiers are kind of becoming pretty clearly established and they're they're looking a lot like what we expected going into the season. What's your feel on on Trout, uh, the makeup game with Southeast and Grand Islands tonight? You know, do you have a feel on on where Trout may be leaning, and where do you think he'd fit best at the next level? Yeah, I think uh, he's definitely going to take his time, wait to kind of see what opportunities present themselves. He uh, obviously he's I've talked to him, um, not necessarily recently, but kind of before the Blue Bloods started calling, and I know um, he grew up something of an Oklahoma fan, uh, and they've been involved. I know he really enjoyed his visit to Creighton uh, for that Seton Hall game at the end of last season. Um, I, I feel like both of those schools are probably kind of in a good place uh, for him. Um, and I think Creighton especially will continue to be. Uh, but now we, he's got schools like Duke and Kansas showing a little bit of interest. So um, I don't think it's qu- quite the same um, – thing that we, we, we've seen with uh, Hunter Salas, but it's kind of similar to where people are starting to take notice of um, what he is and what he could become at 6'9 at with the shooting touch and good athleticism. So he's a guy that uh, I think keep, keep an eye on and keep kind of keeping track of, all right, who, who's he talking to now? What, what other offers is he reporting? Because there's still a long way to go in his recruitment, I think, especially with the, the limited summer that he got. And um, if we're able to kind of get back to somewhat of a normal mm-hmm. um, AU season, uh, I know some talk about maybe dead periods ending April 15th, something like that. Um, if, if they're able to, coaches are able to kind of see a full AU season, maybe that could add even another um, kind of level to this recruitment. Uh, but he's a guy that uh, I would I would expect Nebraska to to, to keep pursuing uh, again as as long as they're given a reason to believe they're in it. I do think he kind of enjoyed the the way that Hoiberg went through and kind of explained. All right, this is what you could do here. Right now, it's tough for them to kind of make a strong push by putting something uh, more on film <laughs> since they can't play right sure. now and haven't didn't weren't having a ton of success before the break. So. Jacob Medilla is with us, HailVarsity.com and Magazine. Jacob, uh, I thought tonight, Miller North at Central. That's uh, one of the marquee games in the state, uh, probably the marquee game. What are your 
thoughts on, on, on Central's ability. Coach Barron's there, and, of course, uh, Cannon and company, uh, one of the favorites here for State. Yeah, um, that's, um, that's the game that I'm having my eye on tonight, and it's a rematch of one of the, the, the semifinals from the Metro Conference Tournament. And I think uh, for a lot of that game, Central stacked up well. They, um, they kind of stayed in it, and down the stretch, they just couldn't, couldn't keep pace, and they just couldn't shoot the ball well enough. Their, their best three-point shooters just had an off day. Um, they ended up shooting 5 of 17 from 3 overall. So if Miller North makes more threes than you do, it's going to be tough for you to keep up with them because you know with their size inside, um, they're going to get some easy points. And that's what killed uh, Central was the, the front court play with Jason Green and Tyler Sandoval combining for 28 points. Um, and uh, Central's struggle, uh, struggles to, to hit threes. So if you shoot the ball a little bit better, um, I think they'll have a chance because they did a great job of making life tough on St. Thomas and Hunter Salas uh, in the first game. And they've got a lot of perimeter athleticism. Obviously, they play five guards, and Denham Johnson played really well in that first one. So I think they can put the, the kind of pressure you need on them on the perimeter uh, defensively. It's just can you survive uh, against those big guys inside and, and shoot well enough So. I think those are kind of going to be the keys for Central going into this game, and it's a big game for Central uh, if they if they show that they hey we're still right even if they don't come out with a win if they show that they're right there with Miller North they give them a run for their money again play this game in the fourth quarter I think you feel a lot better about yourself heading into the second half of the season and the postseason with a potential rematch with Miller North. Uh, at some point down in Lincoln or wherever the postseason happens this year. So um, this is a big game, just kind of figuring out, all right, who is central really? And um, it's it's going to be fun to watch for sure. Jacob Adele is with us. Jacob, thanks for a few minutes. Great to get caught up, bud. Yep, I'll talk to you sometime soon. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. And uh, Tuesday in the books, Mitch Sherman, Rick Kaczynski, Jacob Padilla, podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, of course, the Heard at Media platform, and uh, HailVarsity.com, all the in-demand stuff. Check it out, ESPNLincoln.com, with all the interviews and some thoughts. We hit on some recruiting. We hit on some Chayton NCAA uh, violations, the topic of state tournament for, for boys and girls basketball. If Omaha's lobbying to get it based on population, and uh, what they allow attendance-wise before DHMs are out for for Lincoln anyway. And uh, end of January is when it's revisited. I know the risk dials moved the the correct way. So, and the NSAA's got to be able to put butts in seats safely, of course. So that was uh, something we got into. Numbers to dial in, 466-377-6800. 825-5865. Patrick Mahomes, so far so good. More protocols for him tomorrow. Plenty of NFL with the sporting news is Bill Bender. Brad Edwards will spend some time on college football with us. And excited for Mike Babcock and Shuey, Mike Shuhart, 
in your Wednesday edition. We got Buffalo Bill Chris Kelsey coming on Thursday. Chris Kelsey, a phenomenal Nebraska player and uh, was with Buffalo for 10 years, man. Kelsey's awesome and excited to talk with him again. Last time I talked with Chris Kelsey, he was driving back to Buffalo for a mini camp. This is years ago. I'll, I, I mean, I'd bump into him from time to time. Trust me, uh, we wouldn't it wouldn't hurt him if I bumped into him. Damon, it's a, it's a Tuesday. Is it box wine Tuesday? Is it let's get some Indian food Tuesday? You did hang, hamburger helper last Tuesday. Uh, I had a salad and just a cup of soup last night. I'm supposed to go work out later. I'm feeling tacos since it is Tuesday tonight, but I, I should probably stick to the. Well, only eat like garbage three days out of the week versus four. What are you doing tonight? You and the girlfriend hanging out? Uh, girlfriend's again working on a Tuesday, and I'm glad that it was cold this morning, uh, hitting my first uh, temperature Tuesday of the month ah, today, tonight. Yes. So the old runza will be uh, the go-to for me. So are you an original? Are you a mushroom? I, I like or it just with cheese. cheese. Okay, I like your cheese guy. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Mitch Sherman here and not the Frings. I don't know if you were here for that interview, but I think me and Elijah – talked with him and he said that frings are for children and you need to make up your mind and get dude, onion rings or dude, fries. I'm, I'm bringing that up next Tuesday <laughs> with Mitch because I am I'm going to go with frings because I like really? a little variety. All right. Because I mean the onion rings are money. We're talking about yeah about choices and if you're going to go down that path why not do both? Why not do both? He's got a lot to say about it. What can I say? Wow. Frings are for children. You just threw Mitch. Why didn't you bring this up when he was on? He could at ah, least defend himself. He wrote it in a Q&A a long time ago for The Athletic. I'm sure he, he could back it up. <laughs> Frings are for children. Paraphrasing. Not exactly what he said. Just just saying. So I, I can't eat Frings, but I can, I, can, I can drink Bud Heavy with Danny Ford, apparently. Okay. Back tomorrow, more, 4 o'clock with Hale Varsity. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Have a good night.